Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Always a joy to uh, start with communion. Uh, I'm just going to pray for our lesson. If you have your uh, sheets, we'll be in using them today. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us with all that you've given us. Uh, thank you for your grace, uh, your mercy. Uh, Lord, help us to learn today about you and how you revealed yourself in Scripture. Uh, always uh, just a blessing to see, Lord, how you uh, teach us through your word. And so we would just want the same uh, even today that we will learn just who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are some truths in Scripture that are very complex. The more we think about them, the more we get a headache. These difficult truths, they're there not so uh, we can completely understand them, but they should humble us, right? They should remind us that we're sinful creatures and that God is amazing. He is not like us in many ways. And so we need to be okay with not knowing everything. And one of those beautiful truths in Scripture is the Trinity. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up thinking uh, the Trinity was just Father, Son, Holy Spirit before you prayed. Um, and, and I never really thought about it. I just said, well, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? I even ended my prayers in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it was just kind of something I grew up with, but I never really read the scripture to understand the Trinity. And so that's what we're going to do today. I pray it's a blessing. And so the overview, we're going to look at the definition, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. We're going to see that is progressively revealed in scripture. And then we're going to summarize this biblical teaching with three statements, the Trinity with three statements, we should be able to uh, state what the Trinity is with those three statements, okay? So let's begin here with the definition. God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. If you notice, there were three statements there, and we'll get into each of those. But I have this little diagram here, uh, very important. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. And then right there in the middle, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And we'll get into each of these, like I said, with the biblical texts. And so let's talk about uh, the Trinity in the Old Testament, right? We have plenty of scriptures here. Um, I'll mention a few if you want. You can take out your Bibles to Genesis, Genesis 1. And so the Trinity, really it means triunity or three in oneness and so we see throughout the old testament that there is this partial revelation of the trinity for example genesis 1 26 then god said let us see that in the plural let us make man in our image so who's god referring to there if he's saying us our what about chapter 3 verse 22 then the lord god said behold the man has become like one of us, right? When um, Adam and Eve sinned, uh, they were deceived by the serpent. And here is God's response. Behold, this man has become like one of us. And again, during the Tower of Babel, come, let us go down and there confuse their language. And so we have uh, us, we have these ours. And what do we do with that? We're going to see that it's referring to the Trinity, not created angels, right? Some people try to argue here and say, well, he's talking about the angels. Uh, but, but that could be further from the truth because in our image, right, the angels are not in the same uh, uh, image as God. And so very important. 
uh, to see that here. Continuing, not just Genesis, we see this in Isaiah 6, 8. Like I said, I'm going to give you a bunch of verses right off the jump. Um, you don't have to go to all of them. Just listen up. So Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Again, there's Isaiah, um, right? He gets a vision of the Lord. And here is the Lord speaking, saying, Whom shall I send? Right? Whom shall I? And then he goes to who will go for us? Again, so we're seeing there this progressive revelation in the Old Testament of the Trinity. Another one, and we'll see this verse a little bit later. Psalm 45, 6-7. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And then it goes on. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And here it is. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. And so we see there are many scriptures in the Old Testament that teach that God is Trinity. And we'll get there uh, more specifically in the New Testament. Psalm 110. The Lord says, to my Lord, sit on my right hand. Again, Matthew 22, Jesus uh, explained this. He says, who do you think uh, the Christ, whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. Okay, he said to them, then how does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And so we're seeing that not just one person is referred to as Lord. There are multiple persons referring to as the Lord. And so what do we make of that? Again, it points to the Trinity. Uh, one more, Malachi 3, verses 1 to 2. Why don't you go there? Because we're going we're gonna to be in Malachi a little bit later. Go to Malachi 3, 1 to 2 here. It says... Here's a prophecy of the coming Messiah. Behold, I am going to send my messenger. He will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger in the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So here's the Lord of hosts speaking about a Lord who is to come. And, and so there is just so many scriptures we can go into, but in the Old Testament, uh, there is... Um, not just one person referred refer to as the Lord. Uh, and last one here, Isaiah 48, because it's not just um, the Messiah, the coming Messiah that's referred to as the Lord. But we see here, Isaiah 48, 16, Come near to me and listen to this. From the first I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Right. So there we kind of see a little example of the multiple persons of the trinity so we have here the old testament we have here some examples where else do we see where there is uh, another person who's referred to as god um, and that is the angel or the messenger of the lord uh, if you know uh, christ pre-incarnate christ he, he appeared many times in the old testament and so what do we do with that we we have to uh, understand that Jesus, right, we, all, we already know this, he existed <laughs> before he came to earth, right? He, he is the eternal God, and we'll get to some of those verses in a little bit. But he often appeared as the angel of the Lord or the messenger of the Lord. So that's not angel as in like he was a created angel. Angel could also be referred to as a messenger. And so many times you, you think about uh, Jacob and uh, other uh, uh, instance where he is referred to as God, right? I, I fought face-to-face -face with God. And so 
Uh, there's plenty of scriptures there that teach that there is this partial revelation in the Old Testament of the Trinity. But of course, once we get to the New Testament, we have this more complete revelation. And so let me uh, tell you some verses here of the Trinity in the New Testament. Now, right off the bat at the baptism, really important one. So Matthew 3, 16 to 17. After being baptized, and here it is, Jesus came up immediately from the water, okay? One person in the Trinity. Behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God, second person, descending as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Who's speaking there? God the Father. So we have the Son, the Spirit, and God the Father. Another one, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in, in what name? Just one name? No, three names. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some more. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. Now there are uh, many gifts, right? Many ministries, the same Spirit, the same Lord, uh, but the same God who works in all persons. And so there we have Spirit, Lord, God, right? Again, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Three more here. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. 1 Peter 1, 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Christ Jesus and be sprinkled with his blood. And last one, Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, be holding, uh, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to the eternal life. And so plenty of scriptures here that point to the Trinity. Any questions or comments here? Does everyone kind of see uh, the progression of the revelation of the Trinity from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Okay. I mean, Scripture is clear here, but again, there's, there's many questions with this doctrine because there are so many false teaching uh, that goes along with the Trinity. And we'll get into a little bit of that today and then a lot more next week. So let's look at these three biblical statements that we need to really um, hammer home here. So the first one, God is three persons. All right, this is really important for us. God is three persons. So that means God the Father is a person, God the Son is a person, and God the Holy Spirit is a person. And we see that again throughout many scriptures. Uh, John 1, 1 to 2. Here we have, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all right? So again, we see uh, different persons, uh, yet uh, they're referred to as God. John 17, 24. Uh, what we kind of mentioned in the... A communion study, uh, and we were meditating there. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you've loved me before the foundation of the world. And so we see here that the Father and the Son had this relationship before uh, the founding of the world, right? They loved one another. And so there's not just one person there, there's two that are referring um, in the Trinity, and then, of course, we understand that the Son is a person, right? 
My little children, in 1 John 2, 1, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so uh, clearly we hear, uh, we see in Scripture that Jesus is advocating or he is interceding before the Father. And so here's a person before another person. And so Jesus is interceding for us. What about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. um, And there's, like I said, many scriptures here that point to that, but I'll just give you a summation here. If you look throughout Scripture, you see that the Holy Spirit teaches, bears witness, intercedes or prays on behalf of others, searches the depths of God, knows the thoughts of God. He's willing to distribute gifts. Uh, He forbids certain activities. He speaks, he evaluates, and approves a wise course of action, and he's even grieved by sin in believers. And so these are all traits of a person, right? Uh, again, he's called the counselor, uh, the helper. He's able to teach you all things, bring into remembrance what the Lord has said. And so the spirit is a person, the son is a person, the father is a person. All right, we got that. What else do we need to know? Number two, each person is fully God, right? The father is God, the son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Really important for us to see this throughout scripture. Now, a lot of people um, usually are cool with the Father being God. But what about the Son? This is where it gets a little dicey. Some people, well, no, I don't think Jesus is God. Well, what does scripture say? Again, John 1 talks about how he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being. In him was life, and the uh, the life was the light of man. My favorite one is is John 20, verse 28. That's what does Thomas do right after he sees the resurrected Christ? He says, my Lord and my God, right? Uh, He acknowledges that that Jesus is is God in in the flesh. And so really important for us to see that. Uh, There are plenty of other scriptures that teach the deity of Christ. Hebrews 1, he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Verse 8 there says, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Titus 2.13, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And 2 Peter 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Christ, to those who have received the faith of the same kind of ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like I said, we can keep going on forever. I'll give you just two more here. Uh, Isaiah 9.6, remember this, there's a child to be born to us. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And Isaiah 43, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Colossians 2.9, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Okay, so we got the Father is God, the Son is God. Another uh, person of the Trinity that's fully God is the Holy Spirit. Now, my favorite Uh, verse, and you can go there for this, Uh, Acts 5, Acts 5, verses 3 to 4, Ananias and Sapphira, what happened there? They are lying, they're keeping back um, money for themselves, part of the land, and and here is uh, really important for all of us to kind of see. Look at Acts 5, 3 to 4. I love Peter here who's, you know, rebuking them, correcting them, but They have an opportunity to tell the truth, and they don't. Uh, They continue in their lies. 
and they get judged for it. They get disciplined. So Acts 5, 3 to 4, notice here the deity of the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? The Holy Spirit, to keep back some of the price of the land. While remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? Right. So um, he's responsible for his sin. And then look what it says. You have not lied to men, but to God. And then in verse 3, remember it said, your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Here it's, but to God. And lastly, it says, and hear these words, and Ananias fell down and breathed his last. Right, He dies. And great fear came over all who heard of it. And so, really important, because not only does it say you lie to the Holy Spirit, which is equated to lying to God, we see lying to the Holy Spirit is no joke, right? Uh, dead on the spot. Um, and so, that is just one aspect or one verse that teaches the Holy Spirit is God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Did you not know that you are a temple of God? Right? So we're a temple. This body is a temple of God. We ought to be holy as he is holy. And look what it says. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So it's a temple of God who's dwelling in you? God the Holy Spirit. Right? And so, again, the Spirit is God. Also, the Spirit has the attributes of God. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I sent to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there, right? He is omnipresent. And, and there's plenty of other scriptures, but like I said, uh, another aspect or another teaching about the Holy Spirit is that he's the one who uh, regenerates us. He's the one that gives us life. 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 2.10 talks about that a little bit. And then John 3, 5 to 7, how um, we must be born again. It says born of water and born of spirit. 1 John 3, 9, who is not born of God, who practices sin, but then it says, it goes on, but uh, he who's um, born of God, um, you know, cannot sin, continually sin. But the point I'm trying to make here is that the Holy Spirit does something that only God can do, and that is give us a new life, right? That is uh, open our eyes to see uh, the truth of the gospel. He changes our hearts to even want to desire God. And so only God can do that. So uh, we, we spoke about how God is three persons, how each person is fully God. But here's where uh, we need to make sure uh, we get to the third part. Because if we don't, then what do we believe in? If we're saying that uh, there's three persons and each person is fully God, what do we believe in if we stop there? Tritheism, yes, uh, or polytheism, right? We have this belief in three gods. Uh-oh. So we don't stop there, right? What's the next one? There is one God. And this is where it gets a little complicated, but we'll get there. So I think this teaching is, is pretty straightforward. Um, the Father is God, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, Jesus prayed to the Father, right? And even today in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? Um, each person is, is fully God, and there's only one God. We see that the three persons, the three different persons of the Trinity, are not only uh, one in purpose and agreement of what they think, but they're one in essence, or one in their essential nature. In other words, God is one being. Where do we see this? Deuteronomy Right, the Shema, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Isaiah 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no one besides me. I am the Lord, there is no other. Isaiah 45, 21, it says, There is no other God besides me. And so how many gods are there? There's one God. Romans 3, 30, Since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. And lastly, James 2, 19, You believe that God is one, you do well. And so God is one. God is three persons. And each person is fully God. Okay? So there are some that are going to say, it's a little complicated. That seems more like a contradiction. They're trying to have this simplistic solution. Then what happens? They're going to deny these strands of biblical teaching. I'll give you one uh, example, and that is modalism. This is uh, one of the teachings that I kind of believed growing up. um, uh, Just because I didn't understand the Trinity, I wanted to understand the Trinity. And so this is the one that I also thought of, but I wasn't the first one to think about this. A lot of people had this view. Um, uh, in church history, which is, which is terrible. And that is modalism, which is different names for one person who acts differently at different times. Now, picture this person calls himself father, right? Uh, let's say he has a kid. He's a father. Uh, but he also calls himself son because he has a dad. And then when he goes to work, he calls himself um, a lawyer. And so some are going to say, well, that's kind of like God. Sometimes he calls himself father, you know, the Old Testament. Uh, and, and then in the New Testament, here's Jesus, so he's going to call himself Jesus. And then, uh, you know, now, uh, after the church and all that is birthed, he's calling himself the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like he's putting on a different mask or a different hat on. Um, but that is dangerous. That is a heresy, actually. It denies the fact that the three persons of the Trinity are distinct individuals and that God, the Father, sent God the Son into the world, and that the Son prays to the Father, and that the Holy Spirit intercedes before the Father for us. So just think about it. I mean, an easy way to kind of debunk that one is, who is Jesus praying to? Himself? <laughs> He's praying to, uh, okay, I'm taking off the mask now. Now I'm the Father, now I'm the Son. All right, keep going back and forth. No, we see that they're distinct uh, persons. Others, uh, to try to make the Trinity make sense, they're going to just say, okay, we just need to deny that the Holy Spirit is God and that Jesus is God. And so we'll see cults do that, like Jehovah Witnesses. They'll say, well, Jesus is just a created angel. He's like Michael the Archangel. Uh, The Holy Spirit's more like a force, not really God. I mean, has some God-like attributes, but not really God. So they, they try to make the Trinity simple, but what they're doing is, is very dangerous. They are... Um, they're basically developing heresies and, and false teaching. All right, let's get to some group discussion. I want to hear from you. I don't think I've heard from you guys all 30 minutes right now. So, How is the Trinity not a contradiction? Can someone give me that? Remember, three persons, there's one God, each person is fully God. How is it not a contradiction? Anyone want to give a crack at it? Sure, go ahead. Okay, but let's think logically. Let's think, yes, they all have the same purpose, yeah. But how is it not a contradiction? What's a contradiction? Anyone can give me that? What's a contradiction? Give me an example. Or Glenn, you had something? I was just going to say that uh, just like, um, you know, we're we're, um, 
body, soul, and spirit, it's all, all three of them are me. So that, you're giving us an analogy to help us describe the Trinity. Yes, we'll get into that one. There's actually one that's similar to that one. But I want to know, what, what is a contradiction? Some. Yeah. Okay. And, and so the Trinity is not a contradiction because we don't have that, right? What do we have? We're saying God is three persons and a God is one God. We're not saying God is three persons and one person. We're not saying God is three gods and one God, right? We're saying there's three persons and one God. And so there's no contradiction here. Uh, and the second question, uh, this one's just kind of, you know, to lighten it up a little bit. Is it okay to believe in the Trinity if the Bible never uses the word Trinity? It's okay, right? There's so many words in the, in the Bible that we believe in uh, that it doesn't state, and, and one of them is the Trinity. And so some, like I said, cults might say, well, you can't use that word because it's not in the Bible. Um, and, and, of course, they have their own doctrines and beliefs that aren't in the Bible either, right? Uh, so they're contradicting themselves there, ironically. Yes? Mm. That's what a Muslim was telling me. Yep, yep. And then I said, well, I've known you for about 10 years, and you never told me I am her husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You first said that's your wife, your home, and these are our children, but you never mm. said I. So they were kind of mm-hmm. nitpicking a little bit. Yeah, it's the nitpicking. It's just trying to say, you see, and, and then in Abraham 8, what do you do with that? You know, he says, I am. And that's basically saying he's God. But, yeah, they, they want the, you know, I am God phrase in there, but yeah. So good points here. Uh, any other questions before we go to the analogies? Um, Glenn brought one up with the body, soul, spirit. Yeah, sure. Um, concerning the Trinity and not being, you know, the Trinity not being in the Bible, the word, uh-huh. there had never been a Trinity, a true Trinity before. There were other religions that had three gods, but they were opposed to each other. So once you have something new, you have to have a word for it. Mm. So I think that's why it's Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And so, the Trinity really—it's biblical, and it—the Word is just helping us understand what we see in Scripture, right? And so, and, and kind of Glenn brought this up. What about these analogies to help us describe the Trinity? Now, guess what? <laughs> All analogies have shortcomings, right? So we'll go into some of these, and I'll explain why uh, they're not accurate to Scripture. So the first one, um, we see a three-leaf clover. Right. Has anyone ever heard of that uh, analogy for the Trinity? Um, three-leaf clover. Well, does anyone know what's wrong with it? Yeah. There you go. It's three parts, right? And so it has three parts, yet it remains one clover. It fails because each leaf is only part of the clover, and one leaf cannot be said to be the whole clover. But in the Trinity... Each of the persons is not just a separate part of God. Each person is fully God. And, and of course, we know a leaf is not personal, and the Trinity is personal. All right, what about this one? Maybe it's a little better, but like I said, they all have shortcomings. The analogy of a tree, we have three parts to it. The roots, the trunk, and the branches. Ooh, Trinity, right? Uh, well, again, similar problem arises. For there are, there are only parts of a tree and none of the parts can be said to be the whole tree. Um, they have different properties, unlike the persons of the Trinity, all whom possess all the attributes of God in equal measure. 
What about, and this one, I think this is the first one I heard, the one with the water, uh, the three forms of water. We have steam, water, and ice, right? It's also inadequate because no quantity of water is ever all three at the same time. They have different properties or characteristics. The analogy uh, has nothing that corresponds to the fact that there's only one God. Um, and also, uh, it's not intelligent as well. It has no personality. All right. Well, what about the guy with many hats? I kind of brought this up already with modalism. It might be said that the Trinity is something like a man who is both a farmer, the mayor of a town, and an elder in his church. So he functions in different roles at different times, but he's only one man. What's the problem with that analogy? Yeah. It could only be one at a time. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. That, and then also, there's only one person doing it. It's not three persons, right? Uh, they're doing different activities at different times. Um, and, and then we have, an, and kind of what, oh, you have something? Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So there's definitely an agreement and purpose. Like even in creation, and that was kind of like the, you know, the last one that I wanted to bring up, but I'll bring it up now. So what do we see in creation? Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and so we see there, not only the spirit is active when he is um, hovering over the waters, you know, God said, let there be light. The word of God is active. And so um, even in creation, there's this agreement. Yeah, you know, um, one might say that it was mainly uh, God the Son uh, doing the creating or whatnot. But uh, the same thing with uh, salvation. We have God the Father choosing or electing, God the Son dying for us, getting bruised for us, right? And, and then God the Holy Spirit uh, doing the regeneration. And so even though there's maybe, like you were saying, different roles or different activities that they're doing, uh, they're still all in agreement in the same purpose. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely not to say that, like, for example, the Holy Spirit didn't take on flesh, right? So we're not going to say, well, the Trinity doesn't make sense because only one person of the Trinity did something that the other didn't. Um, however, no, they're all in agreement, um, and, and it's all part of their plan. So, but good question. The last analogy that I want to get to is kind of what Glenn brought up, um, and that is, the human life is the union of an intellect, the emotions, and the will in one human person. Now, while these are parts of personality, however, no one factor constitutes the entire person. And the parts are not identical in their characteristics, but have different abilities. So, again, there is no perfect analogy uh, that teaches the Trinity. They're all misleading in, in, in significant ways. And, and what does that do to us? It really does humble us, right? Um, it helps us to see, okay, we can't understand it all when it comes to this beautiful doctrine of the Trinity. Um, now, like I said, if someone's going to try and teach the Trinity using these things, I'll, I'll tell them again, listen, slippery slope, it's dangerous. Just stick to the Bible. Just, just show the Trinity throughout Scripture like I kind of did earlier. Just teach how God is three persons. Teach how uh, he is one God and teach how each person is fully God. Um, I think that's the best uh, way to go about it. All right, lastly here. Uh, God eternally and necessarily exists as the Trinity. So this is what I was bringing up to Evan. When the universe was created, God the Father spoke the powerful creative words that brought it into being. God the Son was the divine agent who carried out the words. And God the Holy Spirit was active, moving over the face of the waters. So if all three persons of the Trinity are equally and fully divine, then they all 
have three existed for all eternity, and God has eternally existed as the Trinity. Are there any last questions or comments here about the Trinity? Okay. So next week, uh, we're going to look into part two of it. But just to summarize it uh, again, something that you just want to get in your head when you're thinking about the Trinity. Um, like I said, I think I mentioned it on Wednesday, um, that the Trinity was my biggest question when I became a believer. I said, I don't understand this. Please, Lord, help me. Or, or I, I asked people, like, can you explain the Trinity? And I, I kept getting different answers, different analogies, and I couldn't get it. And I, you know, eventually came down after a year. I was like, Lord, I'm not going to get it. Please help me to just accept your truth and what you have in Scripture. Um, and that is that God is three persons. Each person is fully God. And there is one God. And so this is a humbling, beautiful mystery. And may we pray.